I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. And God's good to us. But I felt this song tonight as I began to prepare for this service. In fact, tonight's going to be a little different. This Thursday night is normally Bible study night. And no doubt that's what you came expecting. But two days ago, as I was just reading through the Scripture, I ran across something that just got a hold of me and would not let me go. And I made note of it and said, well, I'll save that for the next time I preach, but I'm planning to teach Thursday night. And uh, as I began to study and pray and prepare for this service tonight, I felt like the Lord said, I didn't give that to you for later. I gave it to you for tonight. And um, so it's going to be a little different tonight than most Thursday nights, but I feel like feel like, and, and in fact, I, I should have known that because the Lord just wouldn't wouldn't let go of me. In fact, last night when I went down to hear my pastor preach, they asked me to get up and testify, and I talked a little bit about it then because it was so strong on my mind and my heart. And um, I think that as events have unfolded, I've understood a little bit of the reason why God put it on my heart, but He did it, as I said, two days ago, and just uh, He has not let it go from my mind and my spirit since then, and uh, so we're going to do that. But I, as I was preparing, this song just came to me, and um, I felt it so strong. And I, it's got a little bit to do with what I'm going to preach tonight. Not really the whole message, but a little bit of what I want to say. And and um, so you can be seated and just pray for me because I'm not a singer. In fact, why don't you just sing with me? And it'll sound a whole lot better that way. Praise God. Amen. But I love the message of this song. A loser without direction I drifted aimlessly on the backside of a place called nowhere, forgotten by humanity. When they talked about potential, they did not refer to me, cause everyone could plainly see what I am, I'd always be. But he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. For all he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Come on, let's sing it. But he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he 
took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. So now you know the reason I lift my hands so willingly. If he hadn't found me when he did, I'd still be lost as lost could be. And although I'm still far from perfect, I'm even further still, you see. From the life I lived just yesterday Before the Lord found me But He saw not what I was He saw what I could be When He reached His hand to where I was He took a chance on me All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. For he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Just a loser without direction, I drifted aimlessly. On the backside of a place called nowhere, forgotten by humanity. When they talked about potential, they did not refer to me. Cause everyone could clearly see what I was, I'd always be. Oh, but he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Would you stand and sing it with me? For he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me.
All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Anybody feel that way tonight? For he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. So now you know the reason I lift my hands so willingly. If he hadn't found me when he did, I'd still be lost as lost could be. And although I'm still far from perfect, I'm even further still, you see. From the life I lived just yesterday before the Lord found me. But he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. For he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. When he reached his hand to where I was, he took a chance on me. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. Well, let's thank him for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad he didn't look at what you were? Aren't you glad he didn't look at what you were? Hallelujah. Praise God. There was nothing in me that was worth what God did for me. I didn't deserve it. Still don't. But I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that he took that chance. Praise God. Amen. I want to turn your attention tonight to the book of Judges, chapter 6. It's a very lengthy portion of Scripture. But this 
kind of helps to set the stage for where I'm going tonight, what I feel like God has put on my heart for this service. Judges chapter 6, we're going to begin with verse number 11 and read down through verse 23. Amen. Judges chapter 6 and uh, beginning with verse number 11. Praise God. And reading down through verse 23. Judges 6 and 11 says, There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abbi Ezerite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord hath forsaken us and hath delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent, have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh, the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel, the Lord Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. And I tell you what, let's read one more verse. I'm going to come back to verse 24 in just a moment. But verse 24 says, Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. And to this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abbi Israelites. Amen. Amen. And so I want to I want to try tonight to preach to you. As I said, something that's been on my heart for a couple of days now. And just have not been able to get free of it. And I believe God wants to talk to us tonight. Amen. I want to preach to you from this thought, 
the victory of defeat. The victory of defeat. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray together right now and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Can we do that, everybody? Let's lift our voices to the Lord right now, asking Him to help us, to hear us. Lord Jesus, we need You tonight. I ask God for the touch of the Holy Ghost. I need Your presence. I need Your power. I need Your unction. I need Your anointing, God. I can do nothing without You, nor do I want to try. God, I pray that You would use me tonight, God, to speak to this church, to speak to this people, God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit says tonight. I need the touch of the Holy Ghost, God, to rest upon me and upon this people. Help us, O Lord. Speak to us, God, tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together. Everybody, let's just praise Him right now. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I do ask again for your help. I need your help tonight. I really believe the Lord wants to talk to us in a special way. I believe the Lord wants to give us some insight tonight. Amen. If we'll get in tune with the Holy Ghost. Is anybody going to help me tonight? I know it's Thursday night. I know we're approaching the end of the week. I know we get tired in our bodies. I understand all of that, but I don't want us to reach a place tonight that, that we are not in touch with what God wants to deliver to our hearts. Praise God. Amen. And so I ask tonight for your undivided attention. This is an interesting setting of Scripture, and I think that most of us know a little bit about Gideon. I think that uh, what we know about him is probably the end of the story. We are familiar with the ultimate victory that he had over the Midianites. But it's an interesting study to look at how it all began and how it all started. Amen. I want you to notice what was going on in Gideon's life when the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Read it for us. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash, the Abbe Israelite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress. His son Gideon and the Midianites threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now I'm going to tell you that there were situations going on, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment. What exactly was taking place here? But I want you to understand that Gideon found himself in a place where he was afraid. He was scared of what was going on around him. And so he was hiding. Well, praise God. The man was in hiding from the enemy. He wasn't out there brandishing a sword. He wasn't out there calling for folks to join him in the battle. Well, hallelujah. He was hiding from the enemy. And yet when the angel appeared to him, notice what the angel said in verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man thou of valor. mighty man of valor. Now I'm going to tell you, when I see somebody hiding from the enemy, that's not the way I think of them. 
I don't think that's what I would have called him, Brother Barron. I would have said, hello there, you chicken. You big sissy, why don't you come out and fight like a man? Well, praise God. But the Lord looked at him and said, God is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. This is why this song came to my mind. Because God didn't see what he was. God saw what he was going to become. Right then he was a chicken. Right then he was afraid. Right then he was in hiding. But God had a plan and a purpose. And God was going to make a mighty man of valor out of Gideon. He was going to take some work. And it was going to take some time. It was going to take some problems. It was going to take some situations. But God was going to turn this scaredy cat into a warrior. Well, hallelujah. And so God didn't say you will one day be a mighty man of valor, but God saw what he was going to become. And that's the way God looked at him. And, 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 and let me tell you tonight, before I even go any farther, this is not my message, but it is a vital part of what I want to preach to you tonight. I want you to understand, somehow you've got to quit looking at yourself and looking at your failures and looking at your faults and looking at how inadequate you are and how many mistakes you make. Amen. That's the way the devil's going to keep you from ever accomplishing anything. You've got to understand there's a God in heaven that saved you because he saw something in you. He saved you because of what you're going to become. He didn't save you because of what you are. So you've got to quit looking at what you are. That's not what God's looking at. Amen. Amen. I, I don't want to get too... Uh, bogged down right here, but but you got to understand that the great uh, master artist looks at you like like a sculptor would look at a piece of marble. A sculptor doesn't just see a slab of marble; he sees what's inside that slab of marble. Someone said one of the great masters of years gone by, they asked him how could he sculpt such wonderful masterpieces, such lifelike statues. And he said, well, I just look, instead of looking at the marble, he said, I look inside that marble. I see the figure that I want to carve, and I just cut away everything that doesn't look like the image I want to end up with. And I'm telling you, that's what God is doing in our lives. God's not looking at the marble that you are right now. He's looking at the image He's trying to carve out in you. And God's cutting away everything that doesn't look like that image. God doesn't see you as a scaredy cat. God doesn't see you as a chicken hiding in fear. God sees you as a mighty man of valor. Well, hallelujah. God has got a plan that He's working. Now, you know, the angel appears to Gideon, calls him a mighty man of valor, and said, God is with thee. God is with thee. Man, what an encouraging sermon. Hello? What an encouraging sermon. God's with you. But instead of being encouraged, Gideon argued. 
He did. He did. Listen, verse 13. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. God's not with us. God has given up on us. That's what he said. God's not with us. He said, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? I keep hearing all these stories of miracles in days gone by, but I'm not seeing any miracles. All I'm seeing is problems. You know, another translation uh, puts it this way. Gideon responded, excuse me, sir. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to Midian. God's not with us. God's walked out on us. Where's God in what I'm going through? Where is God in what I'm facing? Now, now you've got to understand why Gideon was so bold and so brash in his response. Look at what was going on. Let's back up uh, Judges 6, verses 2 through 6. Let, let's read what was happening here. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them... The dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Now, now look at this. Midian prevailed against Israel. Israel is being defeated. Are you with me tonight? Israel is being defeated. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And so... The, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. They're hiding in the rocks. Because they're being defeated. Read on. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they camp up against them. Right, now, 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 follow what's happening. Israelites go out and they plant a field. You know, they've, they've worked the ground, they've tilled the ground, they've planted the seed, they, they've watered it, they've weeded it, they've taken care of it. The crops are now grown. It's time to harvest. And what happens? Verse 4. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come into Gaza and left no sustenance left for Israel. no sustenance sheep, for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor, ox nor, ass, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was and greatly, Israel was impoverished, greatly because impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel of cried unto the Lord. Now, now, I want you to understand, these people are being defeated by the enemy. There's no other way to describe it. Amen. Every time they work their fingers to the bone, they finally get a crop. Here come the Midianites, and they just destroy everything that the Israelites have tried to do. They can't get ahead no matter how hard they try. They're losing. Every time they turn around, they're losing. And then the angel stands there and says, God's with you. Gideon says, God is with us? This just doesn't add up. 
This doesn't make any sense to me. How could God be with me in the middle of all my defeat? Well, hallelujah. You see, it, it seems to me that Gideon had a very common misconception about his circumstance. And that was that if things are going wrong, God must be against us. If I'm suffering defeat, it must be God's punishment on me. If I'm being defeated, God must not love me very much. God's not taking care of me right now. God's, is anybody hearing this preacher? Has anybody ever felt that way before? I can't figure this out. I can't put two and two keeps coming up. Five. It just doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense. How can you stand there and look me in the eye and tell me that God is with me when all I'm seeing is defeat? But I want to tell you something tonight, church. God was allowing defeat because He had a greater purpose in the end. God was working something out through all of this defeat. God had a victory planned that would come about by allowing His people to experience some defeat. Amen. Verses 7 and 8. Read. Here's what happened. Every time they tried to do right, they got beat down. Every time they tried to work, they lost it all. Every time they made an investment, it just flew to the winds. They couldn't get ahead no matter what they did. So how did they deal with it? And it came to pass when the children of Israel, the children cried, of Israel the Lord, cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet the Lord unto the children sent of Israel, a prophet unto the children of Israel. saith unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. God sent a prophet. And what else did God do in verse 11? And there came an angel of the Lord and sat an under an oak. Of which the Lord. Was now, I'm here to tell you that in the midst of their defeat, God was not giving up. God was not throwing in the towel. God was not looking at them like a defeated bunch of people. God had a plan. God was just getting His people right where He wanted them. God was going to bring them victory. God was going to turn it around. Just when it looked like there was no hope, God sent a preacher. God sent an angel. Amen. To assure the ultimate victory of his people. Well, praise God. Amen. I want you to understand that just because things are going badly does not mean God's against you, nor does it mean you're going to ultimately lose. Amen. In fact, it may be just the opposite. God may be working His plan with every defeat that God allows. God has a purpose, and that is to ultimately bring you to victory. Come on, church, we know this verse of Scripture, Romans 8 and 28, but sometimes we've got to be reminded of it. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to all things, all things, even your defeats, even your defeats, even your defeats work together for good. 
Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, verses 17 to 19. Read. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth. And delivereth Amen. them out of their troubles. And delivereth them. Wait a minute, you missed a word. And delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's an important word. We don't want to overlook that one. Amen. The Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Read on. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart uh-huh. and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Right. Many are the Many afflictions of the righteous. Are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord, but delivered the Lord delivered him out, delivered of, them him out of them Come on, church, get a hold of it. I'm telling you, even when you feel defeated, even when you feel down and out, even when you feel like all hope is gone, even when you feel like there's no use in trying, I'm here to tell you, God is working His plan, and God will deliver His people out of them all. Hallelujah. We just need to understand that sometimes there is a victory to be had in defeat. I want to take you now to the book of Judges, chapter 19. A very, very intriguing story about a Levite had a wayward concubine and he went and picked her up and he was on his way back with her and and uh, before he left, it, it, it's a long story. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, get get too bogged down with details tonight. You, you can go home and read Judges chapter nineteen. But but he when, he when he got ready to leave his concubine's father's house, he talked him into staying, and this went on for several days. And and finally, he said, "Look, I'm not staying anymore. I'm leaving." And and the father-in-law said, "No, no, no. It's it's getting nighttime." He said, "I don't care. I'm leaving." I've, I've had all this I can take. We're, we're leaving. And so he started on his journey. Well, sure enough, he found himself on the road at night, and that's not a safe place to be. And and he was looking for lodging, and he came into a city, and nobody there would offer him a place to stay. And Then an unnamed old man comes in from the field after working and sees him there and says, Look, I've got plenty at my house. I've got plenty for you. I've got plenty for your animals. Just Just come on and lodge with me tonight. And so they go into the house of the old man. And, and uh, the, the men of that city were wicked. They were perverts. Amen. And very vile, vile people. And they came banging at the door of the old man and said, We saw this stranger that's come into your house. Give him to us. And, and they, they had wicked designs and, and plans to do with this man. And, and the old man tried to talk them out of it. And finally, finally, this Levite gave them his concubine. And the Bible says they abused her all the night. And in the morning he got up and opened the door and found her there with her hand upon the threshold. And he said to her, up and let us be going. And and none answered. And he realized that they had killed her through their constant abuse through that night. He was very upset about it. And he put her body on the back of his donkey and he rode home. And then and then this is what, it, it, it's such a... 
such an unusual story, but he takes her body and cuts it into 12 pieces and sends the pieces throughout the coast of Israel uh, with, with, with a letter attached to tell what the tribe of Benjamin did to him and, and to his concubine. And, and, and so it was that, uh, that, that he did this. Let's, let's read about it here. Judges 19, verses 29 and 30. And when he was come into his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine and divided her together with her bones into twelve pieces and sent her into all the coast of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said, there was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it, take advice, and speak your minds. So they, they saw what was going on. They understood what had happened. And they said, you know, we can't let this kind of vile sin continue here. We, we, we can't just sit by and, 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 and our silence would condone these actions. And, and to have a tribe in Israel that, that is this vile and this perverted and, and to not deal with it is just not right. So we've got to do something. We, we've got an obligation to do something. So they, they discussed it and they decided that what they needed to do was to go to war against the tribe of Benjamin. And so they went and sought the counsel of God before they went to battle. So let's, let's go to chapter 20 now and verse 18. Stay with me here tonight. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God. And said, Which of us shall go up first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go Judah up first. Judah shall go up first. Now, you know, God could have just as easily said, No, 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 don't go. Don't, you better not go. But God said, Go. And I'm even telling you how to go. I'm telling you what order to go in. I want you to go. Now, now who told him this? Who, this is important, church. Who told them to go? Who told them to fight? God sent them into battle. But notice what happens. Verses 19 to 21. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah. And destroyed, and down, destroyed to the down to the, the ground of the Israelites. That day, and two thousand men. Twenty-two thousand men. Well, God said go, and yet God sent them into defeat. I'm not twisting the scripture here. God said go, and yet they were defeated. I'd had them scratching their heads. Wait, wait just a minute here. Lord, you told us to go, and we thought, surely if you said go, that meant victory. So what's happening? So they prayed again. Verse 23. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until even and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Now, now wait a minute, God. Do you, did, did we get it right the first time? Do you want us to go back and fight him again, or should we just quit now? And the Lord said, Go up against him. Go. God said, Go. 
Well, so it's going to be victory, right? Well, let's see, verses 24 and 25. And the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed and down destroyed to the ground of the children the of Israel again 18,000 18, men. men. All these drew the sword. They have now lost 40,000 men. All because God said, Go. Hmm. What must have been going on in their heads? What must they have been thinking right then? Do you suppose they were thinking, God doesn't love us very much. God must not care much about us. He keeps telling us to go and every time we lose. Is, is, is God just trying to, to get rid of us? Is God trying to kill us? Is God trying to destroy us? No. God is wanting to give you victory. But He's got a plan in mind. It's a plan you don't understand. It's a plan that doesn't make any sense to you. There's not a counselor on the face of the earth that can explain it to you. There's not a man smart enough to tell you. I can't even tell you all the reasons why. But all this much I know, God wasn't in it for their ultimate defeat. God had their victory in mind. So, they prayed a third time. And a third time, God spoke to them. Verses 26 to 28, read. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came into the house of God and wept and sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until even and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? So they asked again, Shall we go or shall we cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hand. Now, I want you to understand this, church. On two other occasions, God said, Go. But never before has God said, This time you're going to win. God never lied to them. God knew what He was doing the whole time. God knew exactly what was... Not. Now, they didn't understand it. They couldn't figure it out. But God knew what He was doing. And God said, I want you to go one more time. Tomorrow, it's going to be different. Tomorrow, you're not going to lose. Tomorrow, you're going to win. So what happened? Verses 46 and 47... So that all which fell that day of Benjamin were twenty, twenty and five thousand men that drew the sword. Now that may not sound like many, but listen, let's read on. And these were men of valor, uh -huh. but six hundred men Only turned 600 and fled men to the wilderness, escaped that day to the rock Ramon, and abode in the rock Ramon four months. So out of twenty-five thousand six hundred, there were only six hundred of them left. I'm telling you, they almost wiped the whole tribe off the face of the earth. There was such a small percentage of them left. Hey Amen. I, I don't even want to sit and try to figure what the percent was. There weren't very many of them left by the time they got through. 
Now I want to ask you something. Did, was God leading the Israelites into defeat? Well, He did take them through some defeats. But ultimately, He took them to victory. I can't explain all the reasons for it, but I do have a feeling that maybe one little clue is this. When they first went to war, they were just doing it out of a sense of obligation. We can't let this stand like it is. But they didn't probably didn't know this Levite. Probably didn't know his concubine. They didn't know much about what was going on. They had no connection here. This was just a duty. I just had to do it. We, we got it. We got to do it. We know we got to do it. So they went to battle out of a sense of obligation. But after two more battles, after losing 40,000 of their own men, you got to understand that's their dads, their brothers, their sons, their uncles. Their co- this is not some unnamed concubine and some guy they've never met. This is their family that's died. By the time they go to war this third time, honey, they got a personal investment in what's going on. They're not just fighting out of obligation. They're fighting out of passion. They're fighting out of anger. They're fighting out of hatred. There's something in them. There's a different sense about this battle. Now, God knew the first time they fought, they wouldn't fight really with their passion. But now, they're going to fight with everything they've got. I want to tell you, I can't explain to you all the reasons why God lets you suffer defeats. But He has a reason. And every time He lets you suffer a defeat... It is to build something in you to lead you to the point where you're ultimately going to have victory. I hope you're hearing this preacher tonight. I, I don't know if I'm getting across the burden of my heart or not, but, but I felt like coming, not just for one or two people, but for this church tonight. we got to quit looking around at the defeats uh, amen, and, and, and saying God must be against us. We're going to have to start looking at those defeats and say, alright God, whatever it is you're working out in us, you just keep working. But this much I know, ultimately we will win. Ultimately we will We'll have victory. Ultimately, we're going to come out on top. And today, I'm not just praying because I got to pray. And today, I'm not just coming to church because I got to come to church. I got an investment in this thing. I'm tired of the devil kicking me around. I'm tired of the devil kicking my family around. I've got an investment in this thing, Brother Merriman. I'm not fighting out of a sense of obligation. I'm fighting with a passion now. Something stirred up on the inside of me. I'm going to fight this thing till I win. I'm not just knocking doors out of obligation. I'm not just handing out cards because of obligation. I'm not just inviting people because... I'm doing it because I'm mad at the devil! And I'm determined I'm going to win! The devil's stolen enough of my loved ones. 
The devil has taken enough of my family members. The devil's got enough of my finances. Is anybody hearing me tonight? The devil's done enough damage to my home. I'm tired of it. I'm going to rise up. There's something on the inside of me that says I'm tired. I'm not taking this thing down anymore. I'm going to fight with everything I've got. If i got to fast more, if i got to pray more, whatever it's going to take, I'm not taking this thing down but I will win this battle. Israel had to do more than fight out of obligation. God didn't let them win until they fought with all their hearts. He let them suffer some defeats in order to set them up for an even greater victory. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Church, victory is yours. We are fighting on the side of the ultimate champion. Who has never lost a battle. And he never will. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 24 to 28 read. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom he of shall God. Have delivered up the kingdom. Even the Father. Yes. When he shall have put down he all rule and all authority. All, rule, all authority. All power. For he must reign till he has till all enemies under his put feet. All enemies. Are you hearing what the apostle's saying? He's going to keep on ruling until he puts all enemies. The enemy that's fighting you. The enemy that's perplexing your mind. The enemy that's coming against your heart. The enemy that's attacking your faith. God's going to put all enemies under His feet. Amen. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For He hath put all things under His for feet. For He hath put all things. Everyone say all things. Everyone say all things. He hath put all things under His feet. But when He saith all things are put under Him, it is manifest that He is accepted, which did put all things under Him. Right. And when all things shall be subdued unto Him, shall be subdued then shall the Son also Himself be subject unto Him that put all things under Him, that God, God may be all may in all. Be all in all. Amen. All enemies are going under His feet. You hear that, devil? I want the prince of this city to hear what I'm preaching tonight. I want the spirits that are plaguing your homes to hear what I'm preaching tonight. Every enemy is going to be under his feet. You don't have a choice in this matter, devil. You don't have a say-so. You know what I'm preaching is the truth. The day's coming. You're going to be under his feet. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Wherefore God him. Also hath highly exalted him. And given him a name which given is above him a every name. name. Which is above every name. That at the name of that Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Every knee should wait bow. A that at the name of Jesus. What's the next word? Every. What is that next word? Every, every knee shall bow. Of things in of heaven, things in heaven, and things in earth, things in earth, and things under and the things earth, under the earth, and that every and tongue, every tongue shall confess, shall confess that Jesus, that Christ, Jesus is Christ is Lord to the glory, to of, the God glory the of God the Father. I want you to hear it, devil. The day's coming. You're gonna bow your knee. The day's coming. You're gonna confess with your tongue. You might fight us now, but. I'll Ultimately, we're going to have the victory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That name, that name. Is above every name. Call the name of the spirit that's attacking you. Whatever it is. Confusion. Depression. Cancer. Well. Fear. Torment. I don't care what name you call. There's a name that's above that name. And that name is Jesus. Come on, church. That name is. That's a name above every name. Every spirit that attacks you is in subjection to that name. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, God hasn't set you up for defeat. He set you up for victory. He may let you have a few defeats, but He's doing it to put something in you. But ultimately, you're going to win. Well, hallelujah. Every knee, every knee, every knee shall bow. Hallelujah. I know, I know some folks think this is kind of out there and weird. And, but I have, I have confidence in my pastor. And I, I, I believe what he says. And I know his walk with God. And I know he doesn't just make things up. And he's not sensational. Amen. Just to create stories. But last night as he was preaching, he began to talk about. 
And I didn't even intend to bring this in, but here we are. And I, he, he began to talk about uh, praying for a man that, that uh, he said when he went to pray, he said the man was having heart problems. And, and uh, you know, this is not, not every sickness is demonic. You understand what I'm saying? Not every sickness is demonic. Not every sickness is demonic. Some, some are uh, organic. Some are, are just because of our human condition. Some are because of what we do to ourselves. Hallelujah. I, I, I used to stay on my dad all the time. He's a diabetic, insulin-dependent diabetic. Has to give himself shots, but yet he eats stuff with sugar in it all the time. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. But some things are on us because of what we do to ourselves. They're not demonic. We're doing damage to ourselves. Amen. That's the truth. But some things are demonic. There were times Jesus spoke of spirits of infirmity. Some things are a spirit. And he said in this particular instance, the man was having heart problems. And he said, when I went to pray for him, I felt impressed of God to pray against the spirit of infirmity that was on him. And he said, as I began to pray, God gave me a vision. And he said, suddenly it was like I saw something inside this man's chest cavity. And he said, it was this hideous, demonic spirit. And he said, I called on the name of Jesus. And he said, when I did, that spirit went like this. He said, it knelt into a position of submission. When he called the name of Jesus. He said, the Lord spoke to him then said, now that spirit's in submission. You've got to tell it what to do. He said, I command you to come out of him. Amen. And the spirit left and God healed the man. Now, you can believe it or not believe it. I choose to believe it. But I, I said it to say this tonight. That when you call on that name, that name is above every name. It's not about you. It's about that name. And when the demons of hell are attacking you, you've got a tool in your hands if you'll just use it. I feel like some of you right now ought to call on the name of Jesus. If you're tired of the devil plaguing you and perplexing you, you ought to call on that name that's above every name. Command that spirit to leave. Oh, hallelujah. I said it's a name above every name. I said it's a name above every name. Sickness, disease, confusion, trouble. Hallelujah. Your defeat, your quote-unquote defeat, is really just a stepping stone to your victory. Are you hearing me tonight? Listen to what Job said. Amen. Job chapter 23, verses 9 and 10. On the left hand... Where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. Job said, I'm trying to find God, and I can't find him. I, he doesn't seem to be on the left hand. He hideth himself he on the right hand, that I cannot right see hand. him. 
I can't find God anywhere I turn, but listen to what Job said. But he knoweth the but way that God I take. God knows the way that I take. When he hath tried and me, when he hath tried me, I shall come, I forth, shall as come forth as gold. I may not be able to find God, but one thing I know, God knows where I'm at. I don't know where God is, but God knows where I am. Come on, saints of God. I'm trying to tell you tonight, you don't have to give up in defeat. I'm trying to preach to you tonight, it's not over yet. God knows where you are, whether you know where God is or not. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that For I think toward you. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. Not of evil. To give you to an expected end. To give you end. an expected end. God said, I'm sitting here thinking of you. God said, I'm thinking about you, child. God said, I, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. God said, I'm thinking about you. You think I'm thinking evil, but I'm not thinking evil. I'm thinking peace. I got an expected end. I got something already planned. I've been thinking about it. I've thought this whole thing through. Another translation says it this way, and I like this. It says, For I know the plans. I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I've got plans for you. He's got plans for you, Sister Trish. He's got plans for you, Brother Karst. Come on now. I said, God's got plans for you. And they're plans to prosper you. They're not plans to defeat you. They're plans to lead you to victory. Oh, come on, somebody. Get a hold of what I'm preaching tonight. God's got plans. God's got victory plans for you. Come on, there's no reason to feel defeated. There's no reason to be down. God's got plans for your life. God's got plans for your life. You don't see it. You can't figure it out. But God's already got it all figured out. He knows the end from the beginning. The very start, God already knew how it was going to end up. Because He's planning it. Because He's thought it through. God's not reactionary. God is proactive. God has made plans, and He took into consideration what the devil was going to throw your way. 
And God said, I'm going to find a way to use that. Well, God said, I'm going to find a way to use what the devil's got planned against you. The devil's going to be my pawn in this thing. Uh-huh. The devil said, I'm going to take those three Hebrews that won't bow, and I'm going to bind them, and I'm going to put them in the fire. God said, Thank you, devil. That was my plan all along. That's, that's exactly what I had planned. Because when they threw them into the fire, do you know what happened? There were some things burned up. You know what got burned up? It wasn't the Hebrews. It was the men that threw them in. And it was the ropes that bound them. They were better off in the fire than what they had been out of the fire. God said, thank you for burning up those ropes for me. Thank you for burning up those men. For I appreciate that, devil. devil said, I'll just show you. I... He put it in the heart of Judas to sell Jesus. Put it in the heart of the high priest to call for his crucifixion. Put it in the heart of the people to demand his crucifixion. The devil said, there, I fixed that. God said, you sure did. You really did. I appreciate what you just did, devil. That's what we needed to happen. That's exactly what I had in my plan all along. You don't catch God by surprise. Come on, the devil's not that smart. He's not smarter than God. God has got this thing planned out, church. devil said, I'll just stop that early church. I'm going to bring persecution. I'm going to put them under so much attack. And the book of Acts tells us that they were scattered abroad. But it also tells us that when they were scattered, they went everywhere preaching. God said, I- I've been tired of them just preaching to Jerusalem. I wanted some other cities to hear this. Man. Thank you, devil. Thank you for doing what I told them was going to happen from the very start. Is anybody hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, God may let you suffer what looks like defeat, but He's got an ultimate victory planned. Stand tonight. We started with Gideon. I want to close with Gideon tonight. Oh, Gideon. The angel said, The Lord's with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And uh, he said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. God's with us. Why am I going through all this? He said, God's not with us. God's abandoned us. And God said, No, you're going to defeat them in the strength of your might. You're going to defeat them. No, wait, wait, wait. I can't, I can't. Somehow this does not compute. I can't. 
can't figure all this out. And he tried his best to figure it out. And you know, I don't think he ever did figure it out. But I want to show you what he finally came to this conclusion in verse 24. Listen to what he says. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord uh-huh. and called it Jehovah and called Shalom. It, and called it Jehovah Shalom. Which means the Lord is my peace. I can't figure this out, God. I don't see how you're going to work it out, but this much I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust in your peace. You just give me peace about this matter, and I'll keep trusting you, and I believe you're going to... Is anybody hearing me tonight? You don't have to understand it. Just trust God's peace. Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God. And the peace of God. Which passeth which all passeth understanding. understanding shall keep your hearts, and keep your hearts through and minds Jesus. through Christ Jesus. God's peace goes beyond what you can understand. God doesn't make you understand things. He just gives you peace. When you can't understand it, He just gives you peace. We ought to have a peace tonight knowing I may suffer defeat today. I may suffer another defeat tomorrow. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because every defeat that I suffer leads me one step closer to my ultimate victory. Come on, if you believe it, let's thank God for it tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. I'll preach to you tonight about the victory of defeat. So what you've suffered a setback? So what you've had a problem? So what the devil's fighting you? Ultimately, you're going to win if you'll just keep your hand in the master's hand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for victory, Jesus. Anybody feel like coming to these altars tonight and just praying for a little while? Does anybody feel like just coming and asking God one more time? God, just help me to hold on until victory comes. I'm not going to give